Hey, good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary. Really glad you're here with us this morning on this May long weekend. And we were talking to the band this morning. It's like, it's May long weekend already. I totally forgot. Uh, today we're wrapping up our series called History Makers. Uh, we've been in it for the past couple of weeks. If you've missed any of the messages, you can go online and catch up. And I encourage you to do that. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring the idea that you and I, as followers of Christ, are invited into an adventure, something so much bigger than we could ever imagine. We're called to be history makers, to be part of history, to help make a difference in this city, in our families, and in this world. That opening clip uh, was from the movie Freedom Writers. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you haven't, I would it's a high, high, highly recommend it. Uh, it's based on a true story about a teacher named Aaron Gruel, played by Hilary Swank, who took a job in a Los Angeles area high school teaching a group of street-smart, really tough L.A. kids the fun and exciting subject of English. You know, like, hey, these are pronouns and adjectives. Like, who cares? And it was a tough job for her. But through her innovative style of teaching, she was able to slowly begin to dismantle the walls of distrust that had built up between these students and society and the school authority, and as a whole in the process, have her classroom shift from being viewed as a prison, a place where rules and regulations ruled the day and discipline ruled the day, and turn it into a home. Just like that student said, I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. Because I am home. I am home. There's something about home, isn't there? You know, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz uttered, you know, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. So here's a question. What is it that makes a house, an apartment, a condo, a classroom, even a church... Places that are, for the most part, built out of a bunch of wood and glass and plaster and cement. Home. Well, it was a question I, was, I, I dove into. And so for, in preparation for today, I did some intensive research on what it is that makes a house a home. Which is just another way of saying I typed it in Google. And I got tons of responses back. Thousands, actually. But there was one that stood out to me. And it was written by a boy in elementary school. And he was asked, along with his class, the teacher asked him to describe, you know, what does home mean to you? And here's what he said. He says, home is where my favorite place in the world is. Home is my shelter where I can be protected. Home is my comfort zone and where I have family. I think he absolutely nailed it. Because that's it, isn't it? Home is where we can find refuge from the world. It's, it's the place where we can let our hair down, throw our pants on the floor, watch Netflix in our underwear. We can just be us with no pressure to be something or someone we're not. We can just be us. And, uh, you know, when I first ran across that clip, it had a huge impact on me. Especially those three words, I am home. Because for me, this place, this church, you guys, 
from the first few times I attended here, this place felt like a refuge. A place where I could come and just know that I wasn't alone in my doubts, my fears, my frustrations. It was a place where I could just be me and, and, and openly admit, you know what, guys? I don't have God and life figured out. I'm just like you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. And it was okay to do that. Which is totally okay because you know what? Following God is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not about the destination. It's about it's the journey. And so today I want to share a story with you uh, from, the, from the Bible that I think you can identify, we can all identify with at some level. And maybe for some of you like me, this story tracks along with how you ended up here at this place. Uh, it's a story I've shared before, but as I was kind of gathering my thoughts for, you know, how to wrap this series up, I just kept getting drawn back to this message. And there's a part of me that thinks, ah, you know, I should, I should really come up with something else. But this story is the story. And I really hope that you see yourself in it and you're inspired and encouraged by it. This story is found in the Bible in a book called Acts. Uh, and like I mentioned last week, if you haven't read the Bible much or you're kind of saying, I'm not, I don't even know where to start, read the book of Acts. It really does read like a novel. There's shipwrecks. There's all kinds of stuff. We're going to read a shipwreck story today. Uh, and this whole book is recorded by a guy named Luke who was a, a, a physician. He was a doctor, totally into details. And... He's on this high seas adventure with his buddy, Paul, who we talk about around here a lot. Paul, who at one time was persecuting the church, going after Jesus followers, and then became a Jesus follower himself, uh, is arrested for doing that. And he's on his way to Rome to go to court. And here's how this whole thing plays out. And just see if you can see your story or somebody that you know story playing out in this story. Here we go. Here's how this whole adventure played out. Luke writes, they're on their way. He says, out to sea again. We sailed north under the protection of the northeastern shore of Cyprus because the winds out of the west were against us. And then along the coast westward to the port of Myra. There the centurion, and the centurion was a Roman guard in charge of a hundred men. And on this ship, there was Paul who was a prisoner. There's a whole bunch of other prisoners. So they had a bunch of guards on there with them. There were sailors on there. But this centurion, his main job for this, this voyage was making sure Paul got to Rome in one piece. And so the, the centurion found an Egyptian ship headed for Italy and he transferred us on board. And we ran into bad weather and found it impossible to stay on course. And after much difficulty, we finally made it to the southern island of Crete and docked at Good Harbor. By this time, we had lost a lot of time. We had passed the autumn equinox, so it would be stormy weather from now on through the winter. Too dangerous for sailing. Now, just a little backstory here, Captain Obvious here, uh, back when this took place. Of course, they didn't have satellites, weather satellites, or weather maps, or anything like that. First century sailors traveled on one thing and one thing only. Their experience or the experience of others. And they knew from their experience that from mid-September, the autumn equinox, up until March, staying tied to a dock in harbor was the far smarter and safer thing to do. 
But at the time, the, the centurion is talking with the ship captain and the ship's owner about, we need to press on, we need to press on. And Paul's listening in on this conversation. And so Paul throws his two cents in and he says this. He says, I see only disaster ahead for the cargo and the ship to say nothing of our lives if we put out to sea now. But it was not the best harbor for staying in winter. Phoenix, a few miles further on, was far more suitable. And the centurion set Paul's warning aside and let the ship captain and the ship owner talk him into trying for the next harbor. Ever been talked into something before against your better judgment? Well, when a gentle breeze, southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it would be smooth sailing. But they were no sooner out to sea than a gale force wind, the infamous nor'easter struck, and they lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. How many shipwreck stories have started with that phrase? Thinking it would be smooth sailing. I know a few of mine started off just like that. Oh, we'll be fine. We'll make it. It'll be good. How many lives have been shipwrecked in much the same way? You know, despite warnings from those who have learned from their past experiences, we dismiss the warnings that they're passing on to us and we set out anyways, convinced that somehow it's going to be different for me. It won't be the same as their experience or your experience. It's going to be different for me. And so we head off and we end up getting tangled up in financial troubles, unhealthy relationships. We end up hanging with the wrong crowd, all the while saying, I'll be fine. It'll be okay. But then it isn't. And we end up losing control and we try everything to get it back. Next day, out on the high seas again and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we had either seen sun or stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. You ever been there? You ever been in the middle of something where you cannot see the way out, the way up, the way back? It's just dark. Just like the sailors in the story, you begin trying everything to get through it, but to no avail. And so like the sailors, you just give up all hope. You just resign yourself that, you know what, this is just the way life's going to be, I guess. The dialogue in your head is something like this, you know, I guess I'll never get out of debt. I'll, I'll, I'll never, I guess this is the way the marriage is going to be. I guess I'll never find a job. I, I, I'll never get into school, never have kids. And then something that often happens to us happens in the story. It says in the middle, you know, in the middle of all this chaos, this storm, all this hopelessness that's going on, Paul delivers the speech that you and I have either given or had given to us at some point in our lives. It's the I told you so speech. Friends, Paul says, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have avoided all this trouble and trial. I don't know what your experience is with that, but that just bugs me when people say, I told you so. You know, I told you not to date that guy or that girl. Now look at the mess you're in. I told you not to hang out with that crowd. Now you're in with them. What are you going to do? I told you to keep your marks up in school and you wonder why you can't get into university. 
I remember buying a car. It was a Triumph TR7, okay? It was like the coolest car on the planet. And my friends and my parents advised me against it. They said, do not buy that car. They're crap. They're junk. Don't buy it. I ignored their advice. I wanted this car. So in order to justify my buying it, I convinced myself that my experience was going to be different. That all those other cars that people had troubles with, that was just those ones. This one's going to be different. And so I bought it. Besides, it looked really cool. They were right. This thing was junk. And one day, as I was again getting it towed to the shop, this time because the engine had blown, guess what I heard? I told you so. I, it's, isn't that maddening? It's, it's like, thanks, tips. You know, nothing like rubbing it in. Uh, I know you told me so, but that doesn't do me any good right now. I told you so. Well, the crew must have been showing their displeasure at Paul calling them out on their ill-advised decision to sail. So he quickly says, but there's no need to dwell on that now. Nice guy. Days go by, and on the 14th night, adrift somewhere on the Adriatic Sea, at about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. Sounding, they measured a depth of 120 feet. Shortly after that, 90 feet. Afraid that we were about to run aground, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. You ever been there? In a situation so desperate that you just begin to pray. You don't know what you're praying for, you just pray. At daybreak, no one recognized the land, but they did notice a, a nice bay with a nice beach. And they decided to run the ship up on the beach. They cut the anchors, loosed the tiller, raised the sail, and ran before the wind toward the beach. Again, have you ever experienced that? You're up against it. Everything is pressing in. And you've tried everything to salvage a relationship, to salvage a marriage. You've tried everything to get pregnant. You've tried to help someone, maybe even yourself, through an addiction. Whatever it happens to be, you've tried it all. And you're just about to give up because nothing seems to be changing. But then, a glimmer of hope. Things begin to look up. You, you begin to think that maybe there's a chance. Maybe this time will be different. And so you give it another try. But then those hopes are seemingly dashed against the rocks. Luke writes, he says, but we didn't make it. Still far from shore, we hit a reef and the ship began to break up. The soldiers decided to kill the prisoners so none could escape by swimming. But the centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them. And he gave orders for anyone who could swim to dive in and go for it. And for anyone that couldn't swim to just grab a plank. And that says to me, when you're feeling that, don't give up. Maybe you're here and this is your last hope. Don't give up. Hang in there. Keep fighting. Keep trusting. Keep hoping. Everyone made it to shore safely. Once everyone was accounted for and we realized we'd all made it, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The islanders went out of their way to be friendly to us. 
The day was rainy and cold and we were already soaked to the bone. But they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Now, just over 12 years ago, I came to be at the meeting place. Emotionally, I was a mess. I was, I was bruised, battered, beaten. Life had just taken a round out of me. I had been serving on staff at another church and absolutely was loving it. But then, just like that, things went sideways. One minute, things were going according to plan. It was smooth sailing. But in what seemed like the blink of an eye, I found myself hanging on for dear life. Thinking, what is going on? How did this happen? How did I end up here? This wasn't and isn't the way it's supposed to be. I was lost, confused, angry, frustrated, disillusioned. I I had every emotion happening all at once. I couldn't make sense of anything. I felt like a failure. I felt like I had failed my family, my friends, most of all, God. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And at times, more often than not, things seemed to be just getting worse and worse than better. Things looked and I felt absolutely hopeless. And then one Sunday, at the urging of my wife, we came to be at the meeting place. And I say urging of my wife because I had wanted nothing to do with church. I had had it. But you know what? It was my beach experience. The meeting place was my Malta. And most importantly, you guys here at the meeting place were the people of Malta to me. You went out of your way to be friendly and make us feel welcome. You know what's really cool? Malta, the name of the island they landed on, actually means place of refuge. And the meeting place was my refuge. It was a place where I felt safe. And a lot of that was because of those of you who, a lot of you are here today because you went out of your way to be friendly, to make my wife and I feel welcome. And it it, it all began very simply with the greeters. I remember getting out of my car and walking across the parking lot. My heart was thumping and I'm thinking, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk to anybody. And I walked up and the greeter came up, just put out a hand, big smile. Hey, glad you're here. Gave me a program, showed me where the coffee was. Made, pointed, you know, the services down at the end of the hall at the theater. And for the next few months, I just attended. You know, I would come in and I would sit and I would listen to some awesome music and a message that week after week seemed like it was written just for me. Just sitting there thinking, man, this guy's in my head. But I just attended because, you know what, that's all I could do at the time. I would come in last minute. Just before the service started, I would leave right after the last quarter of the last song was hit because I didn't want to talk to anyone. I just needed space. I needed time. A place to come and heal so I could just get my bearings, get my feet back under me. And you guys provided me with all of that. I will be forever grateful for that. You know what? Eventually I came to the place where I was finally in a, a better space emotionally, reconnecting with God and with others and 
all of a sudden, it just seemed like attending wasn't enough. I'd come here, and sure, the music was great, and the, music, the messages were awesome, but it just seemed like something was missing. And I got this urge to, 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 to help and give back somehow, some way, to come alongside others and link arms with them, who, others who called this place home, so I could help others like me who had drifted in feel like they were home. And so I joined the setup team. Started pushing carts around. Then I eventually ended up on the music team, and now I'm here. You know, I love these words from Paul, uh, written after he was in Rome. They finally did make it. He says, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter, and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. And each one of us needs to look to the, after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but he waited right in and helped them out. That's what this place is all about. It's a refuge, a safe place where people can come and hear about the only hope that there is in this world. That's available through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's possible because of awesome people like you. Who give of your time, your resources financially, uh, your talents. uh, To lend a hand to those who falter. Who are drifting in here wondering what's next. To those of you who are here who every week help turn this place into a home. I don't know if you know this or not. Did you know that there's over 40 people that help pull off a Sunday morning every week? 40 people. All working to create a safe space for people to come and experience God's love. We got kids place team, prayer team, decorations team, setup team, production team, music team, media team, sound team, guest services team. I mean, the list goes on. I'd be remiss to miss the volunteers that, that serve and show up and serve 30-plus youth at the City Youth on Friday nights, the volunteers who hold small groups in their home each week, or bake and deliver meals to those that can't, or those who help put together all the scheduling for these teams week after week. I mean, needless to say, there are a myriad of ways you can get involved. And so here's my challenge. If you've been coming here for a while, I would encourage you to join a team, to just jump in. Help make a difference. Be a history maker. Be part of someone's history. You know, as you make your way out of here, maybe you've seen it on the way in, or if you've been coming for a while, there's a a big board just outside in the hallway called the Say Yes Board. It's listing all the ways you can jump in. It's got job descriptions on there, what you'll be doing, what's expected, how much time it'll take each week. And right now, one big opportunity to get involved and have some fun is in our kids' place. You know, for the summer, we're going to give our regular Kids Place volunteers some time off. And it's a chance for, for other people to step in and just for an hour have fun with kids. And you might be thinking, kids aren't my thing. I'm not really into kids. You know what? I thought the same thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, this, we were doing this. We do this every summer. And a couple of years ago, uh, my, myself and a bunch of the staff thought, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let, let's jump in. You know, kind of lead by example. So we jumped in. 
And, you know, I had an absolute blast. I was scared to death. I mean, these little humans running around, it just freaked me right out for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but it was super easy. Everything was ready for me. It was all prepared. All, you know what was required of me? This is really tough. I had to show up. That might be a challenge for somebody here, but I had to show up and smile and get ready to, to love on some kids for an hour. That's it. And the last time I did it, I got to make paper sharks. I mean, how cool is that? Got to make little jaws. So that's my official request that I want to do that again. You may be thinking, mm, I don't know. Hey, it's always better with company. So invite a friend to join you. More the merrier. Jump in together. You know, every week you can walk around seeing people serving. You can see them, you know, caring for children, cleaning a floor, opening a door, playing music, setting up a table, taking down a table, handing out a program, uh, rolling up signs. Uh, You'll see people talking with youth, taking down equipment, rolling all the carts into the storage area. And every time I just want to go up to every single one of you when I see you doing that and say, you know what, you may not see it right now, but you have no idea the impact you're having. No idea. Serving others can be hard. I get it. Our time is at a premium, and there are so many things vying for it. Uh, Serving others can seem like a waste of time because it's like, well, I don't really have anything to offer, and it's not going to really make that much of a difference. And so often we just hold back, and maybe somebody else, you know, we tell ourselves that somebody better qualified can do something. But we miss out for the opportunity for God to show up. So listen to these words of encouragement from the Bible. It says, don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. You know, next week, if you haven't heard, we're not going to be here. We're going to be down the street at the Nanaimo Food Bank Warehouse on Fry Street. All the information's on in your program and it's it's online so make sure you check it out but we're replacing our sunday morning service here and we're going to be taking the opportunity to love this community through service and we want as many of you as possible to join in the fun next sunday because it's going to be a blast we did it last year and the feedback from you was like we got to do that again we got to do that every year Uh, so here's how you can help out here's how you can get involved there's three teams to choose from Uh, you can join the neighborhood litter pickup team, uh, the food bank, warehouse cleanup team, or the picnic team. Because here's what's happening. After we clean the streets in the warehouse, we're all meeting at Deverell Park, and we're having a massive barbecue for the, for the neighborhood. Like, everyone is welcome. We don't care if you come to church. Just come and have a hamburger or a hot dog, some chips, some pop, whatever. And we're doing it for no other reason to have some fun and show God's love in a real and practical way. And so you can sign up on the address on the screen, uh, or you can come and connect with us at the info table afterwards, but it's going to be a great day, and we don't want you to miss out on it. But hey, listen, if you're here, and you've just drifted in here, and you've got stuff going on in your life, and you're trying to figure out some answers, trying to get your bearings, trying to get your feet under you, I want you to hear this. Just keep coming back. Let us serve you. Just the way you served me. But come to the barbecue. Really, come to the barbecue. Just hang out. Maybe you'll meet some new friends or have a conversation with somebody that will just trigger something for you. Who knows? Just know that we are so glad you're here. 
And our hope is that whatever's going on in your life, that when you come here, you feel like you're home. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that uh, you have created us uh, with a purpose. Uh, You've given us gifts and abilities and resources and, and time to use to serve others. We thank you that for the fact that we can really join in with what you are doing in this world and contribute and feel the difference that was made, that our lives really can have significance, significance that goes well beyond just the years we have, that we can have a life that really does echo throughout eternity. And I would pray that we would walk out of here today sensing and feeling that we are home. Amen.